I want to begin this morning by telling everybody that before 5 o'clock this morning that I've been listening to the Lord about a gut feeling that I've had for weeks, if not months. And this is one of those things that most people, including me, we are disobedient or so tempted to be disobedient when God says these kinds of things. This is not what I'm preaching today, but I, I have to do, I have to share this with you. And that because there's so much in the world that pulls at everybody, including believers, God wants us so bad. Uh, thank you. Could you cut that off for me, brother? I, that hum right there will try its best to derail me. Uh, anything you can mute besides me, that'd be good too. Um, you know, I'm not playing around this morning, so you, you have to start with technology. Amen? Yeah, you have to start with technology. So, I believe, and I'm praying about this, because number one, I don't want it. But I believe that the church is about to undergo some suffering. And that's one of those things that I try my best to ignore for obvious reasons because I'm made out of flesh like you are. But I want to tell the church this. I want to tell this church. I, I, I want you to know that God is so desperate for you, to, you and I to be head over heels with him. The Bible says whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. The Bible also says that when we suffer, that's another way we identify with Christ. I don't know what it'll mean. I'm not referring to tribulation right now, by the way. I'm talking about right now. I don't want bad things to happen. I don't want physical things to happen to, to anybody. I don't want financial things to happen to anybody. I don't want anything to happen to anybody but something good. But... I realize that the draw of the world is just way too strong right now. Among Christians. And I want to get through saying this so fast, you don't understand how quick I want to be through with it. Because I'd rather prevent something from happening than to God to do something or allow things that absolutely could be avoided. I don't want to bury people. I don't want to have to hold people when something tragic happens. I mean, not necessarily even death. Loss of a home or a job or a relationship. I, I, I don't know. But folks, you don't know how much that the Lord holds back from happening to you on a second-by-second -second basis. Do you realize that Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. It doesn't get any finer than that. And Jesus said, this is what I've done. I've prayed for you. There hasn't anything major happened in the church for me to be saying this. 
we've got people that's dealing with a lot in their lives, but, but no one or two or eight situations is spurring this or, or springing this on. Visitors are saying right now, oh, wrong church today. But listen, folks. The Lord does things or allows things to happen because God's desire ever since Calvary watching his own son suffer is so he could draw you closer to himself. And right now, the Lord is having to do way too much sharing. And he's Elkanah, Jehovah, Elkanah. He's a jealous God. So I don't know who I'm talking to except for all of us today. That's why Paul said, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's why every time... I talked to a guy that a lot of you would know. He's a, uh, he's, he's a real familiar voice. Let me say it like that in our community. I actually talked to him at the trash dump yesterday. And he brought it up about the condition of the world. And we, were, we, didn't, we didn't talk five minutes. But in that five minutes, we talked about the times. He says... You know, there's always been, like we say, there's always been somebody that could fit the bill of the Antichrist. There's always been somebody that could seem like a world ruler or dictator and, and all that. And this is what I said. I said, but in the past two, two and a half years, we've seen more escalation as far as prophecy is concerned than we have in 50 years, maybe 100 years. I said, because technology is in place now. I, you know, I just, and i got to get out of this quick, but I just happened to stumble across something. It could be as soon as the beginning of next year, if not sooner, where the central banking, digital banking, becomes a mandatory thing. Um... Now, if you haven't heard that, by the time you get it, it will be reworded. Like so many other things have been, that's kind of coming to light now, even this week. I'm not here to get into all that stuff. It is what it is. I've learned that people are going to do what they want to do, regardless of what anybody tells them other than the world. And so with that, I have to tell you that God loves me and you enough that sometimes... There's different seasons. Me, for instance, I love the 60-degree season I am in right now when I wake up. Praise be to my Jesus. And I hope it keeps just falling and falling and falling until I'm almost jittering. I'm so cold. I don't like gnats. Don't like mosquitoes. Don't find the humidity in North Carolina. You may find all that delightful. Move to Africa and pack it in, baby. But let us have this. But just like that season is coming our way, I believe there's a season that's coming our way, and it's not for any other reason than the Lord just to bring us in closer and say, hey, I want you worse than the world wants you, but the world is getting you more than I'm getting you. So I'm telling you to do what Jesus did with Peter. I'm telling you for all of us to pray, folks. 
find you a time. We talk about the movie War Room from time to time, and we've shown that in here. But that's on my mind. If you don't have a closet, if you don't have a place, I know we pray when we're moving, when we're working, when we're driving, but you need to have your private place. I'm about to rock the world of about 99% of the people in here, maybe 100. But if you can't find you a place to pray 15 to 30 minutes a day, uninterrupted, I would highly recommend to you right now to find you a place starting before you lay your head down tonight. And I'm on record saying this. It's documented. If, if everybody denies that I said it, it's documented. Amen? I said it, but I didn't say it. I just repeated it. Now, do you want the good news? Well, that was good news because God wants you. He's not pushing you away. He wants us. That's great news to me. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care on me, on him, simply because he cares for you. You see this cross right here? That cross right there, just a couple of months ago, we talked a little bit about that cross and all that it meant. But there's no way in one or two or eight services you can cover everything about the cross. Do you know that when Jesus went to the cross, not only did he take his sin on you, and for those of you that's not familiar with it, from time to time we put a cross right here, this one you see right here, and we'll refer to it. We are so used to hearing about our sins being nailed to the cross, our sins being carried to the cross. And that's exactly right. You, you cannot make it into eternity without that taking place. But I want to tell everybody today that's still hung up on the suffering part of, the, of today, I want to tell you that I, I, I have a, a bottle of water right here that really is for a purpose. But this bottle of water in your life, it can represent depression. It can represent fear. It can represent relational problems, employment problems, you name it. It can represent what you were told Thursday when you went to the doctor or Friday or what you got to go here tomorrow. I want to tell you about the other part of the cross that we all forget on a regular basis. And Jesus said, you've got a benefit in Calvary, not just by my stripes you were healed, that I bore your grief and your pain and your sin, but I also made sure, included in the package, if you will, that I took your place when it comes to your cares and your problems. And this is literally what the Lord said. You don't even have to make the trip to do this. All you got to do is know that I'm here, I'm available, and you literally just give me your care. Throw it back to me. All you got to do, you don't have to work to do it. You have to reach out in faith. You just got to give me that problem. You just got to give me those situations. 
You've got to, you just got to give me that dilemma that you find yourself in. And it's just a matter of casting it to me. Don't hold on to it. Don't try to see if it'll get better in time because you're leaning to your own understanding simply because it's not fair to me, Jesus said. I've already paid for your care. You need to cast it and let me handle it and life will be better. That's what was recorded in 1 Peter. But let me tell you what Jesus said along with the situation in the 11th chapter of Matthew. He said this. Come to me, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't rush through this. You know the verse, but don't you rush through it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest your souls my yoke is easy and my burden is light so it's kind of like saying verse 28 is the burden verse what that means come unto me all you who labor and heavy laden that's like Jesus saying everybody that's worn out and loaded down, come to me. Is anybody in the church today worn out or loaded down or worn out and loaded down? Would you just raise your hand? Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Cast it. Come to me. And I will give you rest. That doesn't sound like anything. This is why people, God help me to keep it in line today. This is why people are successfully discouraged by the devil to stay out of church or groups or things where they build one another up or they themselves are edified and built up by the Lord God Almighty. The devil knows Iron sharpens iron. The devil knows that when you come together, two or more come together, agree in my name. I'm there in the midst. The devil also knows when you do, listen carefully, when you do other things not mandatory, like mandatory work. We got guys that work swing shifts. We've got people that cannot help it. Sometimes people are everything from caregivers to having to do other things that they had rather not do. But I want you to hear me. The devil successfully tells people they don't love you anymore. Somebody hurt your feelings. Somebody did you wrong. Somebody's going to think different of you if you show up or uh, you're not good enough to go to church anymore or you messed up and... He will tell, or you, or, or you are busy doing everything in the world to keep you busy, everything from cutting grass to doing non-mandatory things on Sunday. And do you know all I'm doing is preaching to you what Jesus said, which is quoting a commandment? Remember the Sabbath to keep it how? Keep it holy. 
You don't hear men preach, people preach about this no more because times are different. No, they're not. People are different. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. People are worn out naturally on Monday because they have another Saturday. They have two Saturdays a week. In fact, sometimes Saturday is more holy than Sunday. That's why Jesus said, come on to church on Sunday, and when you get home, then after you eat, just kind of rest. I put that in place because a lot of you labor physically during the week, and you are so loaded down. So I knew it would be that way when I made seven days. So I loved you so much, I put one in place where you could actually come to me at my house with my people. You could enjoy fellowship. You could enjoy worship. You could enjoy my word. And you could go home, enjoy a meal, and enjoy relaxing so you would be ready to start all over again. But people don't come unto him. I can listen to it at home. I'll go to church when I can. And the devil is the dude that's behind every bit of that. You can, you can tell me what you want to tell me. You can tell me about how bad a church is, how bad a preacher is, what happened to you, or how much you even know about the Bible and all these other things. But you cannot out-talk what God has already said. He said to come unto me. See, you all liked it a while ago when I was throwing the water bottle at the cross, but when I put the other part of coming in to me, well, I don't know how we feel about that because, you know, sometimes we got to do other things. That's wearing your, your thank you, Lord, that's wearing you out. It's wearing you out. You labor, but some of the heavy laden part is self-inflicted. I said it, I said it, and I said it again. You bring it on yourself. Who told you you had to do all that? Some things we do, whether it's helping with a, a neighbor that's uh, not able to care for themselves, or we help our families, or we help somebody, and that, that's not even what the Lord's referring to here. He's talking about all the other things that you come unto that don't give you rest. Amen? It sucks the life out of you. I'm telling you, I'm preaching the truth right here in this church today. But he also said, not only are you to come unto him and get rest, he said in verse 29, to take his yoke. The yoke, in verse 29, is the thing that actually is used for steering. We have a picture that I want to show you. If we got technology co cooperating right this second with us all, this yoke right here is what animals are, 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 are placed in or it's placed on them and... It's used from everything from pulling a cart or plowing or whatever, and they are limited. They have to go where they're being led. And Jesus said this, when you take his yoke, it, when that kind of yoke right there, the animal doesn't put it on themselves. The animal doesn't have a 
say so in the matter because they're property of the master or the farm owner and he does what he wants to do with it. They may not have any intention at all of pulling or plowing or anything else, but it's up to the master. So the master goes and he manhandles them in some case and places it on their neck, has a whip and says, you are going to do this. But notice what Jesus, the one who said, come unto me. He says, take my yoke upon you. It's all voluntary. It's up to you. It's, it's by invitation only. Jesus said, because when you take my yoke upon you, you're going to find out that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then sometimes we find, just like with animals, that they become the term derived from animals that didn't want to cooperate. And they become stiff-necked. You ever heard of that? Because it's used in the Bible a few times. We do, and, and what happens is they uh, are not willing to be compliant or broken in. And so they're not even any good for the master's use anymore. We become stiff-necked sometimes the same way. I'm telling you about this a lot, but it would be better for me to show you because when Jesus comes and he says, look, I know you labor and you are heavy laden, but I actually have a yoke that I want to put on you. And so I see it. I'm tired of the yoke of the world that's been running me ragged. And then Jesus comes up to me, the gentle shepherd he is, and he gives me a chance to to put his yoke on, and then he, he leads me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he sees sometimes that I'm around people that are not good enough, so the Lord's yoke is easy. I know if you go run with that crowd right there, I know something's bad's going to happen. I know that if you keep going this way, so let me take you the easy route over here. Now, the people there, they're not going to understand it. He says, sometimes it don't look like this, but I've got to lead you in another place that just seems inconvenient. You know, kind of like the suffering thing a while ago. So he will lead me down a road that seems rocky. It'll seem steep. God, I don't know what you're doing in my life. But he says, his yoke is easy. So see, I really shouldn't worry. And I have found that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm yoked up with Jesus... I don't have to fear any evil because he's with me. You see it? We're yoked together. He's with me. I don't fear. I don't worry. I don't get upset because I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. And this right here is my faith. Hallelujah. But there comes those times because the world's magnet is just a lot. And I don't want to be left out. My poor youngins don't want to be left out. And so I'll start walking. They'll start walking. We'll start walking. And all of a sudden, it just seems like it's good. And Jesus said, oh, oh whoa. we need to detour. And so we turn 
And I say, what are you doing, God? This was all planned out. We had this and this and this. And Jesus says, yes. But I look a whole lot farther down the road. That's why when you yoked up to me, hallelujah, I'm going to see you all the way home to glory. I'm not just going to get you into something and leave you there, but I'm going to take you all the way through it. But you've got to be yoked up to him. The apostle Paul said it. He said, don't be unequally yoked. And I feel the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now because people are yoked up with the wrong master. You're going in the wrong direction. It looks good. It looks promising. You think it's meeting your needs. It's answering your questions. But you better hold on tight because that ox is going to put you in a ditch and you ain't going to get out of it. But if you will say, Jesus, I'm going to sell out. I don't care if I'm left at. I don't care if I have to fast nine days a week. I'm on fast, Jesus, because I'd rather walk with you. That's why he walks with me. He talks with me, and he tells me, hallelujah, that I am his own. Hallelujah. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. It may look like I'm bound up. It may look like all you are is a holy roller. But let me tell you something. There's nothing confining about this yoke. There's nothing but joy, hallelujah, and peace in the Holy Ghost. When I'm yoked up with Jesus, hallelujah, I've been yoked up with the world, but now I'm yoked up with Jesus, and I'm on my way home. Do you hear me, church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus loves you enough to offer you this yoke. The yoke you've got around your neck right now, possibly. It's leading you deeper and deeper into sin. It doesn't look that way because everything's all right. Everything from gender confusion. Everything, it's all right to drink, smoke, cuss, lay around with women. And I said my prayers when I went to Bible school 40 years ago. I'm telling you, that's a yoke from hell, and it's designed to lead you somewhere that you don't want to go. I'm telling you today, though, you can put your eyes on Jesus. You can look full in his face, and Jesus won't never take you somewhere that he don't want you to be. He'll say, look, you might be there by yourself in the world's eyes. You might feel lonely, but I am never far from you. I'm yoked with you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How can he do that? He can do that because he's yoked up. He's right beside me. He don't leave me. He don't abandon me. He don't get frustrated with me. He wants me to make good decisions. But if I'm yoked with him, I'm asking him about everything before I make the first move. I don't say, well, God, I'm going to do this, and you just come on along if you want to. I ain't moving. We just had a wait message about, what, two or three weeks ago in here. You don't do anything. Hey, yoke people are waiting people. You hear a lot about woke people. I'm preaching about yoke people today. The woke people are on their way to hell, and if you're not careful, they're going to carry you with you because they wear blue shirts or red shirts or just plain Jane shirts. You better get your mind off the world. They're going to take you to hell with them. Let me ask you something. If money 
and fame, you know, because young people, they struggle. No, they don't. Old people struggle with that. If all that was true and good, and I just said this, but I'm going to say it again. Why did uh, Kate Spade take her life? Why did uh, Robin Williams take his life? We can just keep going down the list of multi, multi-millionaires, can't we, church? We can keep going down the list of people who could not even publicly go to a restaurant because they were world-renowned at who they were or were. Why? Because you can be yoked up with the world and have it all and it looks good, but the devil says, boy, I've got them by the neck. I've got them right where I want them. I got it made, and they think that they're in control because life is like this, and they can predict their tomorrow. But what they don't know is I'm driving this cart. I'm the one with the whip. I'm going to get them into drugs. I'm going to get them into alcohol. I'm going to get them into extramarital affair. I'm going to get them into smoking. I'm going to get them into experiencing with all kind of new drugs and things. I'm going to get them into lying, into cheating. I'm going to get them into listening to all kind of worldly music. Because they were Christian, they sang the national anthem at the, uh, at the uh, Super Bowl. Folks, Jesus said, you were either for me or you are against me. You don't have to judge anybody. You don't even have to accuse me. I mean, people do. When people don't know what to do with information like this, the first thing they do, they take that AR-15 out and they go for the preacher. I don't care. You go for me. I'm standing clean hands when I get up there. Ain't my information. I'm just relaying it. I didn't. I am not the one that said my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm just kind of relaying it for the master today. And what's happened is, you know, I don't know why. I do it all the time, but I talk about this expansion joint in this church. It's this is dead center of this sanctuary, forty feet on this side of the line, and forty feet on that side of the line. It's a small crack. There is so much, I, folks. What is there on this side of the line? Over seven thousand square feet, on and, and over equally over seven thousand square feet from back to front on this side of the line. But right here in the middle, it's it's not even a half inch thick of the expansion joint. Yet. I know where the center of the church is in the dark. I can come in here without the power on, and I can tell you where the center of this sanctuary is because I know, I know where that narrow little line is that runs right down the middle. Jesus said, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way. See, there's plenty of room to walk out here, but there's plenty of room to get in trouble out here. But just like in the dark, I, I, I don't have to see what any news outlet is saying or what uh, a very well-known minister is saying about this subject. I know who I'm yoked to. And listen, 
I don't have to pray about some things. Some things, I, let me pray about. I don't have to pray about what the Bible's already said is. I don't have to pray about that. And I can get by myself and say, wait a minute. There's a lot of temptations out here in the world, but I know that this joint right here, I know this road I'm on, I might can't get 10 other preachers to hook up with me on this or that, or I can't get the church to pray, or I can't get people to say, well, look, I'm selling out for Jesus too. But there's one thing I can do. I can stay on this narrow road that it might seem like it's a big old yoke, but it's not really a big heavy yoke. This is a good yoke because this is the one that's guaranteed me home. It's guaranteed me that I will see Jesus face to face. It's guaranteed me that if I will stay on the narrow road right here in front of me, that heaven will be my home, that I'll hear that phrase, I'm waiting on any day, by the way, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in. Come on in. That's why, that's why it's important for me to say, Lord, is suffering going to help me get my priorities back in order again? Is, is suffering going to help me realize that I'm, I, I'm faking it, man? I, I'm going among church people every week, and, or, or people at work, or people at school, or just people you know in general from other churches, and I'm really, I'm faking it because... I'm yoked up with the world. I do the church thing, but I'm yoked up with the world. A a am I really, 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 really on the straight road? You are if you're yoked to Jesus. I'm going to read a scripture to you, but I want to tell you something. I've already quoted Paul out of 2 Corinthians, I believe. But I want the church to hear this. The Bible says in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. I hope I can say it every week. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then, those of us that are alive and remain... Who is he talking about? He's talking about me. He's talking about the people that are yoked with Jesus, that understand the narrow road is the only road. I don't care how good it is out there. I don't care how good it is over there. The people that will meet those that are in the grave right now, the only people, can I say that again? The only people, those of us that alive and remain are the people who love and crave Jesus Christ every day. Did I just explain or describe your relationship with Jesus in that last statement? Did I? Did I? Do you crave Jesus every day? And I have to say this every week if I can remember it. If you are around anybody, you pick anybody that you think either is a Christian. Do this. Do it this week. Just treat it like an unspoken test. 
If you get around people this week that you know profess to be a Christian and you hear them talk about anything and everything on a repetitive basis, whether it's uh, the economy, uh, the government, um, just how the world, even how the world is, it's, ooh, But you never hear on a regular basis. You never hear them talk about Jesus or going home or the rapture. That right there is all you need, friend. That that is free for you and me today. Well, Pastor, you can't talk about it all. Oh, you can't? Well, do you want me to start going down the list of things that I hear talked about on a regular basis, on a repetitive basis, just out of who's gathered here today? You don't want me to do that. You don't want me to do that. It, it, I'm telling you, folks, I don't care what is on TV. I don't care what you heard. The only thing that matters is what God has already spoken And you can discuss this with real smart Bible people at work. Go ahead. I don't care. It ain't going to change a thing. Because that person, along with being yoked to themselves, they're yoked with the devil too. Because, see, again, I have to hit it, so please forgive me, folks. The saved, yoked people are described by this man, Jesus Christ, that said you could cast as his bride that are preparing for the wedding to marry him. That's what Jesus said. The bride is constantly adorning herself. And for the sake of new people, no bride that believes that she could be married at any time is off just doing vague things. She has in her mind a checklist. It's almost as if, ladies, you can help me, it's almost as if she is in panic mode. It doesn't matter if she's got a wedding planner or a monster-in-law that's helping or she's considered bridezilla, it doesn't matter. She cannot get it out of her head. I really hope the flowers are pretty. I really hope the caterer's there. I really hope the dresses. I really hope all the tucks fit. I hope nobody don't get sick if it's an outdoor wedding. I hope we don't have rain every day of her life. If it's six months or a year out, she cannot help it because she knows that day's coming and she's consumed with it. She's not talking to you about Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. walking out of the cornfield. She don't give a rip about that. She's about to be married. She wants it to be right, and she herself wants to be right. So every day, she's talking about her wedding. If you are a blood-bought recipient of the cross of Jesus Christ, and you are yoked with him every day of your life in your conversation, it comes out of you. It's like a 
a well of water. It's like Jeremiah. It's like a fire shut up in your bones. You counting down the days. You're looking at the signs. You're making sure it's all right. You don't want to have the filth of the world off of you. You get rid of your cell phone if you have to. That would be good right now, by the way. You tell everybody, I'm getting a landline that's way overpriced. Or you could just come by Pony Express if you need to get me while I'm at work. But whatever you got to do, you need to do it because you're on your way home to a wedding and a wedding feast like none other, and you are not carried away with all the nonsense in the world. You are a focused person that's yoked to Jesus, and you are about to be married. If I did not just describe your daily, your daily, we need to do some praying today. I'll tell you, you're not ready for the wedding day. I'll tell you. You can tell me how much of the Bible you know. You can tell me what another preacher or denomination has ingrained in you. I'm telling you, you are not ready for the wedding. You can't be. Your head is too far in the world if you never talk about the wedding. If you never talk about the husband of your soul, Jesus Christ, except for when you need him. You're not interested in the Oh, you don't want to go to hell. That's where we are. Amen. I don't want to go to hell. So see, your mind, your mind is not on the wedding. Your mind is not on Jesus. Your mind is just occasionally on, well, I don't want to die and go to hell when I die. Hey, is there anybody at all that believes I am telling you any truth at all? I'm telling you the truth. And what I'm doing right now, man, I thought you said this was good news after those suffering darts you threw at us. I'm telling you good news. I'm telling you wonderful news. He could say, fooey, I'm tired of you. you. You treat me like a dog. You treat people at work better than you treat me. You treat me, you treat activities in the world better than you treat me. He could say, I'm through with you. You don't care about me. He could do that, church, but he don't. He says, cast and come and take. That's what he said. See, everything in your life is pulling out from you. It's extracting years from you. It keeps you up at night. It keeps you torn. It keeps you in shambles. You don't know what to do next. You prayed it to death. You've asked other people to help you pray. You've gone places. You're reading books. You're doing all these things. You're, you're just scratching your head every day, but it's time to get yoked to Jesus. Because Jesus is going to say, we can't go there today. We got to do this today. It's called hard decisions. Hard decisions. If you're on the straight and narrow road, you're going to make these hard decisions. You know, Paul said this. And this, is, this is noteworthy today in Galatians 5. He said to actually stand fast in the liberty wherewith you've been called and that Christ has made us free. Now, you got to listen to this next part because he says, and be not entangled again. That means you've previously been tangled in it, okay? Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jesus said one time, will a dog return to his vomit? Yes. 
Paul said, don't be entangled again with the same thing that was choking you and steering you and causing you to do ungodly, unholy things. Don't be entangled with it. That's what he said. So what do I do, Othie? He told you what to do. Stand fast. As fast as you can. Stand on the straight and narrow road. Stay in yoke to Jesus and never get out from under it. As fast as you can stand in that place, stand, church. That's what you do. And then he said, learn of me. Learn. We all know what it means to learn. He says, learn, for I am meek and lowly. Those are God-forsaken words of 2022. Meek, man, what's wrong with you? Lowly, why, that means to be humble. You're exactly right. That's why Jesus said, learn from me. Learn from me. Jesus was meek, and he was lowly. And then he said this, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke. Yoke is where he's going to lead you. That's the path he's going to lead you on. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, a lot of people light as in the weight of it, but I also like to look at it a different way. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's not wearing me out. It's not wearing me down. It's not loading me down. And where the Lord's taking me, I'm going to be all right. Nobody else is going to go with me. Um, I can't. Remember how many times I told you this. And there, there are. There's two paths. You know the Robert Frost poem about two paths in the yellow woods. One went this way, one this that way. I took the one less traveled. There are two paths you can take on every situation. Every, every situation, every decision, there's, there's two ways you can go about it. This, this is not a spiritual thing, but yet it is. Two things you can do. You, you, can, you can put the, the yoke of Jesus on and go one way. Or you can wear the yoke that Satan has conned you into putting on, tricked you in, because he's very clever. He knows how to... Twist the scriptures. He did it with Jesus. He did it with Adam and Eve. And see, there's two ways you can go. But if you walk with Jesus, his yoke is easy. And his burden's light because he's promised to be faithful. I want to tell you in closing that many years ago, Now, this is for new people, all right? I haven't forgot I've used this dozens of times. But in 1989, when I went to Montana on summer ministry, uh, me and two other guys, college sent out people 
Bible college I was at sent people to different parts of the country, Alaska, uh, Montana, New Mexico, I believe, uh, the Navajo Reservation down in New, Me yeah, New Mexico said that. But then when I, the fall, when I got back to school, the Spirit of the Lord says, you need to go back. And I said, I do. And so that whole fall semester, I, you know, heard it, and then I said, let's slide that out of the way. Well, God, he, he just kind of picked it up a little higher where I could see it, a little clearer. And, you know, some, someone else was going to go with me at the time, and that didn't work out. They, they didn't go. And I had no idea what God was sending me back out there by myself for. I was alone. This right here would probably seal the deal for most people. There were no cell phones back then. If they were, they were cell phones that business people had that cost like three or $400 a month for like 15 minutes of talk time. Well, how do you know that? Because I used to work at airport parking in Charlotte, and we would shuttle people and park their cars and in their Mercedes and Lexus and uh, all the other cars, Rolls, whatever they'd drive. They're the only people that had phone back then. That was 90 and 91, 88, 89, 90. So there wasn't no phone when I went. That, there, there wasn't really Texaco stations. I was sharing this not long ago. Until you got to with uh, Teresa and Dale, until I, you got back almost into Tennessee, I had a flat tire coming home one time from New, in South Dakota. I had my mother's credit card, couldn't use it. Uh, but a guy, a friend of mine, gave me a money order to get his tags when I got back to Charlotte. And fortunately, the, the place in South Dakota allowed me to use that money order to get the tire fixed. And the lady at the ranch I stayed on had made a bag of, of very fattening goodies. I mean, like monkey bread and all that kind of stuff. And... That was on my way home. That's what survived me because I had just enough money to buy gas and stay in a $19 a night hotel one night. I drove 17 hours the first night, and I only had money to buy gas until I could get to, like I said, Tennessee, the wet, uh, northwestern part of Tennessee is where I saw a Texaco. Young people, that used to be a shell. And so I drove 17 hours and stayed, and then I drove 20 hours straight the next day. I didn't have a choice. But leading up to that, coming out of all of that, I got in a wreck on a snowy overpass, had some people that fell out with me, um, 
I stayed in a very part, bad part of town when I was kind of an interim pastor for about 16 people. Uh, I got sick one time, I believe. I went through loneliness. I couldn't talk to my family, but once in a blue moon when I was around a uh, pay phone, I had no idea what was going on at the time. But then later on, later on, when God birthed this ministry, I realized that when you yoke to Jesus sometimes, you're going to be lonely. You're going to be by yourself in the eyes of the world and even your own eyes. You're going to go through low points. You're going to go through things you don't understand. And the whole time, you are yoked to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're not going to be able to process it. You're going to think, hey, I'm yoked to you. Why is all this happening? But I'm going to tell you, he's a God that finishes what he started. And now that I look back 30 years later, God didn't have me out there on a wild goose chase. God was preparing me so I could stand up on the 14th of August in the year of 2022 and look in the eyes of people that I would give my life for and preach and proclaim the word of God to you because he had to prepare me. He had to take me through basic, lonely, unfortunate boot camp. But praise be to God, he didn't get out of this yoke. He stayed with me through all of it. The flat tire, the no money, the no sleep, the no food money for a hotel room. He was there. He laid it on Wanda Hathaway. Don't even know if she's alive. She didn't know that she was like a mother to me out there to make me a brown grocery bag full of goodies that sustained me while I was on the road driving across the United States. So don't despise what God's doing when he does it. Just know that he's yoked to you and he'll be faithful to you if you'll get and take his yoke. I want you to stand right now if you will. See, coming to church don't mean you've taken his yoke. If the world is still calling your shots, you're yoked to the world. If people are still calling your shots, if material things are still calling the shots, if church activities are still calling, see, that doesn't make you righteous. That doesn't make you yoked. See, when you're yoked to Jesus, you're not going to go anywhere. But see, he gave you the opportunity to make that decision. That's why he said, come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. He said, and when you get here, I'm going to offer you my yoke. I'm not just going to give you a, a rest for this season, this day, this week you've had to live through. But I'm actually, when you make the trip to me, I'm going to offer you my yoke. And that's what he's asked me to ask you right now. Is there any people at all, regardless of your age, you are interested in the yoke of Jesus Christ right now? If you are, find you a place at this altar. If you're happy with the yoke that you've got, stay in your seat. But if you want this yoke, 
If you want this yoke, this one won't drive you crazy. This one won't kill you. This one won't lead you down a path that's going to cause you to, to make stupid, foolish decisions. This yoke right here is easy and it's light. It's not confusing. How do I know if it's the Lord or how if I know if it's the devil? How do I know if it's me? I'm telling you, he's steering this yoke. He gives you an opportunity to put it on, but you don't have to do the driving, not one day of it. to put it on. I'm going to give everybody time. I don't, I don't want to rush through this. Chris is playing, oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. You can turn it up a little bit if you will. Those of you that are not familiar with that song, the words of it say that he gave his life what more could he give oh how he loves you and me he gave his life and when he gave his life it meant that he was giving you his yoke too Father God we gather at this altar right now And everybody here may have a yoke that they need to denounce. They need to throw it under their feet. They need to take it off. If that is you, and there's a good chance it is, you need to, first of all, you can't wear two yokes. Bitter water and sweet water don't come out of the same fountain. We got to get rid of the yoke. The sin, the weight that so easily besets us, we've got to get rid of that. Father, we repent at this altar of yokes and bondages and things that have weighed us down, have steered us in the wrong direction. You told us if our eye offends us, pluck it out. You told us, God, whatever we need to do to put this yoke on, we need to do that, Lord. We're walking in so many different directions, and you're not going to bring unity to this church until we are all of one mind and one accord. And when we come to you in unity, you bring the unity of the Spirit, Lord. And you fall on us, you work through us. So, God, we repent. We lay it down, church, do it. We lay it down. We get rid of it. We throw it down. And Lord, we receive and we take this yoke. The world has been about to kill me, Lord, and you know that. I don't sleep at night. I can't even half eat. When I do, my stomach is in a constant knot. My nerves are shot. I'm, I'm talking to so many people right now. It's not even funny. 
But Lord, that's going to change because your yoke doesn't allow that to happen. So forgive me of the time that I've wasted going all different directions down so many wrong trails. I give it to you today. If you're a sinner here or online, you must say, Jesus, I've been steered by the devil long enough. I've been steered by the devil long enough. And I repent. I give you my life. I no longer want to live with the wrath of God abiding on me. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, and make me whiter than snow. And I will walk with you, Lord, the rest of my days. I'll do whatever I need to do in my personal life. I'll make whatever changes that I need to make that are spiritually healthy for me. I'll do it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, and I pray for all of us, Lord, who have made the trip, made the walk. Lord, people may be down here for their family, Lord. And I pray over every person down at this altar for their family right now, Lord. It's not your will that any perish and die and go to hell. There might be sickness. There might be a yoke of sickness on somebody's family at this altar. I pray it in the name of Jesus. God, anybody that's represented at this altar, their family is going in the wrong direction. In the name of Jesus, God, put a hook in their jaw. Pull them back, God, and show them that yoke is leading them to hell and help them to see that there is a yoke from your hand, oh Jesus. God, I pray this week that we would look to you every day. Wedding talk would be what we entertain all the time, Lord. We're watching, we're looking, and that makes us more excited. We're pumped up even more, Lord, by a new sign. When we hear of wars and rumors of wars, which we actually know is happening even at this very second, we don't get scared. God, we get excited. It makes us want to evangelize more, fast more, pray for our family and loved ones more. But God, we're not fearful. Oh, no, Lord. We know that that wedding is getting closer and closer. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would let our words, the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, they would be acceptable in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. And, God, I give you praise.